Welcome to King Street Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you as much as it has blessed us. If you would like to sow into what God is doing here at King Street Church, head over to kingstreet.church. That's kingst.church. Thanks again for listening, and now on to the message. Good morning. Uh, Crystal's already kind of shared some of the news I had for y'all because I see some new faces here today. Like I said, the, the bad news is, is that I'm going to be speaking today because uh, Pastor Dave's not here. The good news is Pastor Dave will be back next week. Am I on? Am I on? Yeah, I can hear myself now. Okay. I, better now, though, right? Okay. Let me let the kids get out. You know, I heard a story recently about a man who passed away and he went to heaven. And when he got there, um, St. Peter met him at the gate and said, come on, get in the truck. I'm going to take you up to your house. So anyways, they're heading up through heaven and up the golden streets and everything else. The guy's looking at all these huge mansions and all these nice houses and the pools and the gates and everything else. And he's like really impressed. And he said, man, this is cool. This is great. But they get down to the end of the cul-de-sac and there's this little one-room shack who's about to fall in. And St. Peter says, you know, here's your house. And the guy said, I don't understand. St. Peter says, what do you not understand? And he says, but we got all these beautiful mansions and stuff back here. Why do I have this? And St. Peter said, well, with the amount of money you sent us, it's all we could afford. So anyway, today I want to start with uh, Matthew, Scripture Matthew uh, chapter 25, 14 through 30. And I think what's on the screen is different from what I have on my notes. So I'm going to read off the screen. Uh, 14, 14 through 30. 14 through 30. You got it? Okay. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went off on a journey. Then he, he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and had his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of these servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. 
For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness that will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, um, when I when I read scripture, I try to look at it and try to figure out who Jesus is talking about or who he's talking to, um, to kind of feel like I get a better understanding of what's going on. Um, and this, and there are different ways to split that. He could be talking to non-believers or believers. He could be talking to Jews or Gentiles, or uh, free people or slaves. Or you know, it's a lot of different ways you can break it up in different combinations. When I read this scripture, I kind of looked at it as two buckets, and we have the one bucket over there which is the bucket everybody starts in, and that's the unsaved, okay? Everybody starts out there. Nobody gets to go by that. And then eventually, if you accept Christ, become a believer, you move over to the saved bucket. And the reason I look at it that way is sometimes when we look at stuff where the Bible's talking about people in this bucket, the saved bucket, we look at it as a matter of salvation, and that's not what it means. In other words... Um, you could look at some of this and say, well, if you don't tithe money or you don't do this, you're not saved. You're going to go to hell. That's not what it's saying, because if you're in this bucket, you're saved. How do we get saved? The scriptures from um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. Said, um, again, I've got the wrong translation in there. Said, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. So one big problem I see in the church is we tend to push works, okay? You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to tithe, you got to give money, you got to support, you got to do all this stuff. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing all that, and we should be doing all that. But in James, second chapter of James, he says, faith without works is dead. So in other words, if you have faith, if you've been saved, if you're in this bucket over here, you're going to want to do this stuff. You're going to want to give money. You're going to want to tie it to the church. You want to do all this. But it has nothing to do with you being in this bucket. The only reason you're in this bucket is because Jesus paid the price for you, right? Okay. Um, so when I initially was reading this, I'm thinking he's just talking to people in this bucket here. And then this morning, I've got to get up and take a shower, right? And I'm sitting in the shower, and I'm like, you know, he's talking to those folks too in this parable. What about the third guy, the one that got the one talent? He didn't do anything with it, right? And he ultimately got cast out into the dark place with the gnashing of teeth and all, which is the way the Bible describes hell. So he never made it to this bucket. Okay? So it kind of shows the difference between the first two guys who went out and did what they felt like they should do. They were saved. They knew their master. They knew their Lord. The third guy didn't. He just lived in fear. Okay? So, you know, and I just throw that out there because if somebody's living in fear and you don't want to do this and you're afraid of all this other stuff, maybe you're still in this bucket over here and maybe you need to think about it, okay? And that's where, you know, the, the gospel message and evangelism message comes from. And that's not what I was going to talk about today, but it is in this and it is part of it, okay? Most of this I'm going to be talking about folks in the bucket over here. <clears throat> So again, uh, Jesus used agriculture a lot in his teaching. And if you think about it, he was in a culture or a society where they had a lot of farming and, and uh, grew a lot of crops. So I was kind of thinking about that and thinking about these two buckets here. 
as I said, everybody starts out in one bucket. Who here raises a garden? I know some of y'all do, right? And if you're like me in a tight wide, you don't want to go down to Lowe's or somewhere and buy the big plants because they're so expensive. So every spring I go out and sow tomato seeds, you know, in little little buckets a little to get them to sprout. And even on that, if you look at the cedar, the um, envelope the seeds come in, it'll give you a germination thing on it. It might say germination rate's 90%. What that means is that 10 out of 100 of those seeds aren't going to sprout on average to do that. So it's kind of like with people, we're all, we're all just like all those seeds have the same DNA in them. They're the same potential there, but some of them aren't going to sprout. We all have the same potential, the same DNA. We're all started out in that bucket, but some of us don't ever get out of it. Some of us don't ever sprout. But as you sow these seeds and they sprout, what do they look like? They're kind of tiny, right? It's not much to them. And if you leave them there, what happens to them? They, they don't grow very well, right? They get tall, they get spindly, they may die, um, and they're not going to produce any fruit. And that's one thing Scripture tells us is we judge people, others, and ourselves by the fruit we produce. If you just stay in that bucket where you will plant it, you're not going to produce any fruit. We have to take them out, put them in a bigger container, give them good soil, give them fertilizer, water, and you know, do certain things to get it to grow into a tomato plant to produce tomatoes. All right? And I think that relates a lot to us and our life as disciples trying to follow Jesus. We have to be fertilized. We have to have good soil. Um, you know, we have to, have to work on all that. So, um, Basically, and there are a couple more scriptures I want to share that talk about uh, using our resources to grow God's kingdom. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. By this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. In Malachi 3.10. And this is one of the more important scriptures I think we're looking at this morning. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you, and if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I got it. Um, in New Living Translation, it's a little bit different where it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heavens, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. And I know we talk a lot about don't test God, don't try God. But right here, Malachi, he dares us to test him when it comes to giving and to doing for him. Now this morning I'm using, uh, I'll be using the word um, tithing a lot or giving, but I kind of lump all this stuff together between tithing, giving you money, giving you time, uh, giving a ride to somebody that needs it, you know, going out and praying for the sick, whatever it is that all goes together. I know I grew up on a tobacco farm where my dad only got paid a couple times a year when he sold tobacco. 
except for, you know, unless you went out and cut a load of logs or some pulpwood or something. So he didn't have money coming in a lot, but he was always giving his time and his energy and his resources to the church and the people in the community. Um, I also grew up Methodist, which especially back in those days, the Methodist preachers around here moved every three or four years, and the church was responsible for moving them, you know, for hiring a moving van or doing whatever. Well, my father had a truck, and that, he was always willing to either move the old guy out or move the new guy in. And even a couple of times, he moved the new guy out and then the old guy in both. And I always had to help, and I hated that. That's why when somebody now says they're getting ready to move, I run. I go somewhere else. I do not like moving people. But he saw that as part of his tithe. He didn't charge the church for doing it. He had the truck. He had the time. Uh, he had a couple young sons that he could force into labor to go help do it. So that's what we did. But <clears throat> I think it's important for us to put our faith in God, to be willing to step out and to do things. And I'll give you just a couple quick stories from my life. And I don't do this praising what I did because I definitely haven't been perfect. Um, most of my life I have tried to tithe and to give a lot. And last time I spoke, up here I talked about spiritual gifts. One of my spiritual gifts is giving, which means that it, I'm just kind of, I don't know, driven sometimes to support stuff and give things uh, enough to the point I can drive my wife crazy. But um, back in, 20, in 1985, I married my wife, Marilyn. And, um, and actually, before we got married, she felt called into foreign mission field, thought she was going to be a missionary. Um, that's not the way things played out, and we were here, but we really felt called to start a business, which was an ambulance service that we really felt was needed in this area. Um, we had the experience and everything to do it, and we had the assets to do it, because we had our home, which was mostly paid for. So what we felt led to do by God was to start the ambulance service, and we shared with each other, we're going to provide the service. We let God worry about the money. Because reimbursement rates back then weren't very good at all. They're not great now, but back then they were almost non-existent. So we didn't know financially how we'd be able to do it. And it was so bad, we figured out how much money we needed. We went to the bank to borrow the money, use the house as collateral, and they turned us down. And I'm like, what do you mean you turned us down? We've got the collateral. We just want to borrow on a house. And the banker said, we're not in the business of making bad loans. He says, we don't want to be repossessing your house and selling it to get our money back. Your business will never make it. There's, it won't work here in this rural area to do that. But we really felt like God was calling us to do it, and we persevered and kept on. And it's a story for another day how it all worked out. But it did, and we got the business going and up and running, which we ran for 28 years. So um, I guess the banker may have been wrong about that part. I don't know. But we always tried to do it from a godly perspective and do what was right and provide a service for people that needed it. And God always provided the resources for us. Sometimes he uh, was a little slow, you know, to come through do that. You know, I think that sometimes to test you to make sure that you have the faith to do it. But anyway, um, after 26 years, just to give you a couple examples, after 26 years running the business, uh, Marilyn got sick. And she was in the hospital in 2011. She was in the hospital right at 100 days over several different admissions. 
the day she wasn't in the hospital, we were going back and forth to Charlottesville to medical appointments. All right. um, I really felt my role, my calling at that time was to be her husband, to be there to support her. So I did that. When you're doing that, it's kind of hard to run a business. Okay. Um, so we kind of struggled a lot. And I'll jump ahead of the story a little bit and let you know 2011 was the best year we ever had financially. I don't know what that says about me not being at work, but anyway. But um, while she was in the hospital one time, um, I got to where I, I couldn't pay our federal withholding taxes. Was, I mean, we had earned the money, but we hadn't gotten it in. I hadn't been there to push the folks to pay and stuff like that. And for any of you that run a business, uh, one of the things you never want to do is get behind on your federal withholding taxes. Uh, number one, they'll kill you with the interest and penalties and everything else. And number two, they can lock you up if they want to because, you know, it's criminal not to do it. So I needed some time to get things straight. And she was in the hospital at UVA in Charlottesville. And I remember that day I was there, and I'm like, i gotta, I got to make this call. I don't want to do it, but I've got to call the IRS and talk to them. So I spent most of the day just praying. I said, Lord, I know who I talk to is going to make a big difference. Tell me when to dial the phone. So I did. And I got this lady answer the phone, and I started telling her what I needed. And I figured out if I could get it delayed about 30 days, I would be okay. And as I'm telling her this, she says, well, just hold on a minute. I got form such and such I need to send you, and you got to fill it out and send it back to me. And, and I wasn't getting anywhere with her. And I'm like, no, that's not what I need. You don't understand. And she said, yes, i got to send you form, such and such, and whatever. And I says, no, that's not what I need. You don't understand. And she said, no, you don't understand. Once I mail that form to you, it locks your account for 60 days. Nobody will even be able to access it. As long as you're caught up in 60 days, you don't have to even respond to it to do that. You know, and... I've known of other people with experiences with the IRS that didn't turn out that well. So, <clears throat> And then more recently, um, Angie and I made a fairly large commitment um, to the church, and we weren't sure if we could afford it. But again, I'm a strong believer in what Malachi says, you know, you have to test God. And I don't like the word test, but you have to, you have to put it out there and be willing to do it. So... Um, we prayed about it and really felt like we needed to do it, that it was the thing to do. So we committed to it, and once we committed to it, we didn't want to not pay it. Uh, the only problem was, this was a few months ago, uh, everybody in here probably knows what happens December 5th around here, uh, property taxes are due. We own a farm and a couple houses and stuff, and I'm like, we're not going to have the money to pay our taxes, but we're going to live up to our commitment to the church that we made. And again, it, it's kind of odd, but I was like looking through this stuff and said, you know, if we could stretch this out about a month, we probably will be okay. And, um, but I don't know, what's the penalty for paying late? 10%? 5%? I think it's 10% penalty plus interest and everything. I didn't want to get into all that stuff. So I'm thinking, man, if there was just some way we could stretch this out for about a month. Well, we live in Prince Edward County. The Board of Supervisors had an emergency meeting last week, week before last. And uh, what did they do? They voted to extend payment date to January 5th month. <laughs> so uh, is it a coincidence? I, you know, I don't know. I, and I, I told Angie as we were talking about this, I don't necessarily see God saying, oh, George and Angie need till January 5th. Let's go in and make the board change their vote. But I do know when he 
convicted us to make the obligation. He knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Even though we didn't. Okay. So anyway, uh, I want to kind of make this an interactive service today. So I'm just wondering if anybody else here has a quick story about how being faithful to God, he's been faithful to you. And page you back. Anybody got anything you want to share? you want me to walk up front okay so some of you don't know me but most of you do I'm Nicole um, so my husband and I we've been together a little over a year now and we are both we both have criminal records we don't have a very good reputation because of things we've done before we met each other but long story short like we're those people that when we see people walk in they broke down even if it's our last dollar, like we give it, we help, we do the best we can. We have been struggling ourselves to try to save money to get a place to move into because we were living just was not suitable for anybody. Uh, well, the lady that we deal with that does our car insurance, my husband had did some work for her recently. He did he does gutters, and then she blessed us with a truck. You know, we make payments on it to her, and we were telling her that we were looking for a place to move to. So she told us that she had this property on 34 acres of land. Upstairs is three bedrooms, one and a half bath. There's an in-ground pool, a pond, and a storage building. There is a full basement, kitchen included, with a full bathroom as well. Well, neither one of us have credit. Our credit will not let you borrow a dollar from anybody. <laughs> and we were struggling financially. This lady, no background check, no credit report, no nothing. We, she let us have the place for a year rent-free. After that, rent to own for only $800 a month. And I, we didn't know, there was times we literally didn't know where our next meal was going to come from, how we were going to pay the next bill. And we still have those times that we have been so faithful and so loyal. Yeah, we're not perfect. We're flawed. We all make mistakes. But I have stepped out on faith so much, probably within this last year, than I've ever stepped out on. Like, literally just blind into everything, just trusting Jesus and I can literally stand here and say, if I didn't know Jesus and I didn't have the faith and also be married to a godly man, you know, my husband, he's, he's incredible. And, you know, we're blessed by each other, too. But just to come into something like this and people, you know, we were told you'll never make it. You'll never be nothing. You're just a mess up. You're just whatever. And. We're both incredibly blessed. And this is not something that you hear about often, you know. And I just, I can say that trusting in the Lord will get you a long ways. Is it okay to share someone else's story? As long as they don't get mad at you. No, they won't. Um, <laughs> So my first pastor, Pastor Frank Potter, has been here a couple of times. He tells of a story when him and Miss Lisa first came out of Bible college. And their first church was in the hills of West Virginia. 
And there was no money, there was no provisions. And as a young uh, pastor and husband, obviously wanting to provide and, and feed his wife. And so there was a little bit of desperation. I, I don't know all the details, but I know there was no more money and there was no more food in the pantry other than a box of macaroni and cheese. And they prayed together and they said, you know what? We're going to just trust and believe in faith in the Lord. And we're going to go enjoy this box of macaroni and cheese and he'll take care of the rest. They open up the box of macaroni and cheese. What comes out? Money. I don't know how much, but I know it was provision. They were able to go to the grocery store. There was money in the sealed box of macaroni and cheese. I'll do you one more. I'm over here. Yeah. To God be the glory. I'm going to wear myself out. Right. To God be the glory. Ever since I'm out, my daughter is an RN. So she could not get no job because I, we don't know why. I guess because she refused to take that, that needle, that shot, that COVID, whatever that thing was. She refused. So every agency, she was a traveler, every agency she would put in, go get the final, the, uh, everything. They said, no, everything's closed up. And for ever since January, she had not worked. And bills was, was piling up and, and, and rent for her and phone bill and everything. And I had to take care of two houses, two of her, her, her place and my place, because I just moved there. So that's rent. I got a house in, in Richmond, don't have to pay none. But I had to pay two rents for her, for me and her. But, but God saw us through. Every time the the barrel would get low, money would come from 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 somewhere. I thank God for my sister over there, Viola. Hallelujah! She have been a blessing to us, taking us here, taking us there, and I also thank King Church. King, King Church, because when we first came here, we needed a van for the for the church in in Richmond. Hallelujah! And my daughter's car broke down. No way to get around. And this was a big van where she didn't know how to drive. But, but through her trusting in God, she learned how to drive that van so she could back, get back and forth to now to because uh, she's working in Richmond now. But God, ever since January, hallelujah. But you know what? God blessed her with a job. She went to this place this nursing home. And they had so many positions on them. And they told her she could pick anyone she wanted. That was, that was, that was the greatest blessing. And I told her, sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes doors are closed in your, in your face, hallelujah. Because God got something better. She'd been working in nursing for 20 years. And her legs began to give, give, give out on her. So this job she got, she, she have her own office. She can sit down, hallelujah. But to God, <laughs> You know, glory. Everybody that I told that for that prayer for her and us, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Then to God be the glory. It it pays to pay your tithes and your offering. It pays to pay your tithes and offering. A lot of people don't believe it, but I do. I believe it. Hallelujah. Because when you when your barrel get down low, you can say, Lord, I did what you said. Thank you. I've had kind of a spectacled career life, uh, which are a whole bunch of stories in and of themselves. But I can tell you this, that I've found myself laid off without income and wondering where the next 
rent was going to get paid, where the food was going to come from. And God has provided for us in those times in such a way that actually I can tell you the finances were easier when I was laid off than when I had work. I just want to start by saying kind of like George did that none of it is us bragging about tithes, any of us. It's really a testimony of his, his blessing. Um, and Tim and I can both tell you in our marriage that where we are makes no sense from where we began and what we had and what we started with. Every year, and we, we've always tithed from the very beginning when we were first married, and every year he has consistently blessed us in ways, sometimes supernatural ways that just don't even, they just defy reason. And I feel like every time we've pushed ourselves or stretched ourselves a little more, he's answered. The Bible talks about multiplying things and he multiplies things. But I think one of the biggest ones that stands out in my mind, we have trees on our property. And we, I don't remember what we had tied. We had stretched ourselves a little and it was coming time to make a decision on what to do with the trees. Um, Cause we were gonna cut them and we both agreed we didn't want to do what's called clear cutting, um, where they come in and they cut everything and you're just left with, you have to basically replant. We didn't like that option. And it's also sort of the option that gives the less payback. But we also knew that the land we had had been poor land. And I think that's ironic because the Bible talks about healing your land. But it had been poor land, and we didn't feel like it was going to do much with these trees to grow them and produce them. So we were expecting to have to do a clear cut. And we went to the, lum the, the broker. I don't, I don't remember what they're called. And I remember them. we told them what we wanted, and he's like, no. That's not going to happen. You know, you need to clear cut these trees. We rarely ever do a thinning. We don't want to do it the way you're doing it. That's not going to happen. So he sent out the timber cruiser to look at the trees. And I'll never forget, he called us and he said, you know, he looked at your trees and he was really impressed. These trees are in so much better shape than he thought they'd be. We really think the best thing for you is to thin these trees. And my point is the Lord... He gives us the desires of our heart. He does it spiritually, but he also sees us and he sees what we want and he blesses us. And he answered us with that blessing. And I just, I thank him. It's him. It's nothing we did. Um, I actually have like a real big one and I have another smaller one and they're, they're about giving out of, uh, need or giving out of what you don't have. Um, when I was married and I had just gotten saved, um, every year a family member would send us this gorgeous fruit basket. It was the exact same fruit basket, beautiful basket with all this fruit. And we would eat the fruit and then um, I'd have this basket left over. And um, I was like, I, I, I'm a very crafty person. I make stuff, I paint, I sew. So I was like, I know I can do something with it. So I had three baskets. For three years, we had gotten these, and I had three baskets. And this was right after I had gotten saved, and I had told my um, husband at the time, I said, 
Um, the Lord told me that we need to fill these baskets full of food. And this was at the holiday season. So this was like between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And we need to find three families that have nothing. And I want, and so we get, we gave them three meals and I love God. He blesses. Um, Anyways, that Christmas, we got a check for $1,000. We didn't get a fruit basket. We got a check for $1,000, and we got it every year after that. And I, I, I didn't do it because I knew God would bless me. I really didn't. I was still learning. Um, I did it because I want to bless people. If I have an abundance, I'm going to bless you if you need it. Because that's how I was raised, and that's what God wants us to do. All right, for my, now my real big one. All right. I started coming here, and I was living in a really bad home that was just full of mold. It made me very ill, and um, the house was falling apart. I was living in out of two rooms. Um, every time I got in the shower, if I stepped in, the tub would give, you know, and I'm like, okay, is this the day that I'm taking a shower, and I got to holler for the neighbors to come get me because I felt, you know, through underneath the trailer, and um my finances weren't good. I've been struggling jobs and things like that. And um, at this point, I, I, I've been divorced for uh, quite a few years. So um, it was just me. And the home I was living in, my mother gave me, but she didn't know. She's 86. She didn't know that it was really bad. And I'm like, Lord, I, I, you know, I'm struggling to pay my bills. I'm struggling to pay my car. I need a different job. I need something. And I came into service one day. And I did not know who Miss Betty was. And I did not know that she was considered a prophetess of God. I just knew she was a sweet lady. Um, I loved her Holy Ghost spirit. And she came up to preach one day. I was like, oh, yeah, I want to hear it. Because always when I see someone and they're full of that spirit, I want to hear what they got to say. So when she walked up here, she had socks on. And I, to myself, I said, oh, she's got socks on. And the Lord said to me before she even preached, the Lord said to me, you are to buy her some slippers. And I said, okay, Lord, but I know it's not like fuzzy bedroom slippers. It's not. I said, okay, Lord. And then she preached on holy ground that why she had no shoes on, that this was holy ground at this altar. This was October. I think it was about October because I know it was going into the holidays. And every time my paycheck would come, I wouldn't have any money. And I'm like, Lord, I got to buy these slippers for her. So you know what? I'm not going to buy groceries or I'm not going to put gas in the car. I'll, I'll just, I'm trusting you. And then I was looking for the slippers and I'm like, Lord, I know it's not just fuzzy bedroom slippers. It's not something with a heel. What do you want me to give her? And I was uh, on the internet and I saw bridal slippers. And I went, oh, my God, we're the bride of Christ. That's exactly what I'm supposed to buy her. So I asked Miss Viola what size shoes she wore one weekend, and I bought them, and I brought them in. And I, at the time, Miss Betty was only coming like once every five weeks. So I'm like, okay, I'm I carrying these things with me every time, you know. I had Miss um, uh, Miss Viola and um, uh, Miss Berta help me pray over them because I wanted them to be anointed. So then I gave them to her. When I bought them, I bought them out of my need. I had no extra money like you. You know, it's like, where am I going to buy? What am I going to have for dinner? How am I going to feed my dogs? You know, how am I going to help out somebody if they need help? So my home was so bad. 
I was, I had mold in my lungs. I had mold I was exposed to. Uh, it was just, it was bad. And uh, I gave her those slippers before Christmas. And right around Christmas, I got a phone call. I was told that my car was being paid off. And I said, oh, thank you. Now I can take that money and combine it with other money, and I can move out into another place. And they said, oh, by the way, we're going to buy you a brand new house. And they did. I have a brand new house. I had almost a brand new car. I mean, it's brand new to me, but, you know, I mean, it, was, it had some miles on, but it was still. You cannot outgive God. You cannot, and when you hear that voice, you have to be obedient. If you're not obedient, you're going to miss your blessings. And I had no clue that I was ever going to own a house that I own and, and not have to pay rent and not have to pay a mortgage payment and not have to pay a car. Now, I, I no longer have a job as of October, and I had enough money to pay my, my bills for October, November 1st came and I said, Lord, what am I going to do? I have no money. I received two checks and all my bills were paid for November. I'm going into December and I'm in the same boat. I have applied for job after job after job. I have done the assessment test. We didn't select you for an interview. And I'm, I'm like, okay, well, that's not where God wants me. And I said, whatever door, Lord, I just don't want to waste my time applying for jobs if that's not where you want me. And I don't want the enemy to use it as a distraction to open a door there. And because I'm hurting because I don't have any money, you know, kind of thing. And I said, no, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I thank him every day and I praised him while I was in that trailer regardless of the condition because it was a roof over my head and it protected me from the worldly outside elements. You have to thank him in the midst of the tour of the turmoil. You have to thank him through the storm. You have to thank him for the storm and you have to thank him at the end of the storm. You cannot outgive God, guys. You have to give him give him what is due him. I literally could stand here all day long and tell you stories, all day long. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to think which ones to tell, but when you mentioned thinning wood, I was, I'm going to tell this one. So um, my husband did that for a living. He thinned wood for a living. Um, and the, we had new equipment. We had all this stuff. We were making a lot of money, but we also had a lot of bills because you got new equipment and fuel bills and all this stuff. Um, and one night, the... Um, tree shearer burn up and the insurance company wasn't doing what they were supposed to do and there was just like no way to recover from that and we went for weeks without any income and just all of these really expensive bills um and we got to the point where we really didn't now i could have we could have gone driving around to our friends houses and eating at night but we didn't have any food and um a guy that we went to church with, well, a guy at, at the church that we went to, you know, came to Ricky once and he's like, you know, you need to tithe on your on your net, not your gross. You're just going to go under, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he just was like, no, I'm tithing on the gross. That's, I just, that's what God's put on my heart. I'm doing it. So we've been doing that faithfully and everything. And we knew, we didn't know how we were going to eat, but we knew God was going to provide. We get this phone call, and a friend of ours that was a truck driver had wrecked a truck, and he had 
a barrel, barrels of rice and dried beans in the truck. And he said, you want any? And I was like, oh, yes. Now, that might be terrible to somebody to think you're going to have to eat dried beans and rice for, you know, a month or something. But we loved them. We would fix them ourselves anyway. So we ate, we ate, we ate. I was nine months pregnant. Luke was born. And if you have a child, when you don't have any money or anything, it puts everything in perspective. See, so it was joy. But anyway, um, he, we had prayed over him, you know, that he would never have his cousins had respiratory problems, earaches all the time. We had prayed over him from the beginning that he wouldn't have any sickness uh, of any kind like that. And his ear started hurting, like he was pulling on his ear and stuff. And when I took him to the doctor, he said he had an ear infection. I said, he can't have an ear infection because we have prayed about this. And um, so she gave us a prescription and it was $12.00. And like we had like gotten change out of the couches and everything to go pay buy this twelve dollar prescription, and I'm standing in line at the at the um, drugstore, and there's this something that you signed up for, I don't know some contest for free diapers, but it was it looked like a national thing, so I said yeah, fat chance of that, right? So I I fill it out, I get the prescription, um, and by the way. Um, when I got after I got it and paid for it, he never had another problem. I didn't even have to give him the medicine. But the next week they called me and I won a year's supply of diapers. Awesome. Like a year's supply. I had to borrow, I had my car, which had a big, you know, back. I had to borrow a car to get all the boxes of diapers in my car, and I didn't have to buy a single diaper for a year. So. Good morning, everybody. So I, I pretty much know everybody here. Everybody know me. Um, about it'll be two months and three, four days. I had a car accident, and um, I work for the post office, but I'm part time, not full time, so I don't have any benefits, like as far as paid time off and stuff like that. And um, I had this insurance. And I canceled the insurance trying to save money. And this was like three months before the accident ever even happened. So I was like, I'm young. I'm not going to get hurt. Who knows? It's like, whatever. Save a few dollars, you know. So um, worst comes to worst. And I have the accident. So I haven't had any income as far as being able to work. And I've been having to go to physical therapy and, um, and just haven't been able to work because of that. And so I've been helping out around the coffee shop and... Um, just blessed me with the whole check for whatever days everybody worked, and that was a blessing. And um, I went to North Carolina to see some family, and my cousin, he wanted to purchase my firearm from me. Um, he bought he bought it for like $400. Um, Miss Kathy and Alan, every, every Sunday since the accident, they would give me and Sierra $50, $100 here and there. And um, this morning I woke up and God was just, I was praying and God was like, yeah, I want today to be about honor. I want today, I want you to honor, honor me and understand why. And I didn't, I didn't know what he meant. And then when everybody started sharing their testimonies, I was like, God, you want us to honor what you do in our lives and how you bless us. And even when we don't know where it's coming from, God, you make a way. Yes you make a way and there's nothing that anyone can do to change it and like (laughs) 
like Miss Gidget said, you can't outgive God, and you gotta give Him His honor. So I just wanted to share that. Okay, I'm not a public speaker, so just bear with me for a minute. Um, I know, I, I, that's way different, trust me. Um, Kenny and I were in a bad place financially. <laughs> um, he didn't have a job, and we, we were, um, we had no money. And we were trying to start this little business where he was, um, selling ads for takeout menus to, for restaurants. We would do their takeout menus for free, and he would sell ads to uh, people in the community. And this one day, we, need, we had not a dollar, and he needed to go to Richmond to sell ads because we needed some money. And um, so I was like, how much money do you need? He said, I need $10. I said, all right. So I prayed. I was like, Lord, we need $10 today. It doesn't have to be something huge. He cares about the little things. And so he went, I think it was to Sheets or somewhere over town, and somebody walked up to him, and guess what they handed him? Thank you, Lord. And he was able to go do what he needed to do that day. Since you're telling that one, <laughs> when I first got saved, I got out here with literally a couple of outfits. I had no money, no car, no nothing. No, didn't match. I got that. <laughs> and uh, thank you, sweetie. And um, I had a broke, kind of beat down car. My brother had just got me a job. So I'm on my way home from work, and I don't got enough gas to make it home. And I stop at Worsham's down here, going into Farmville, and I pull in. I mean, I don't pull in. I run out of gas and pull in. And I go up to the guy, and I'm all, hey, can you do me a favor? I live five, ten minutes away. Can you just put like 3 or $4 in gas, $5 in gas? Let me go home. I'll get my money. He's like, no way, man. I can't do that for you. Back then, this is 1994, no cell phones. I don't got no money to, for the pay phone. I could call collect, I guess, and I'm all, I'm, I'm getting a little bit perturbed here, right? And I'm still baby Chris. I'm like, what in the world, man? I can't even get home. And from about me to that wall over there, that, that screen, I see something on the ground, and it's literally blowing my way. I look down, it's a $5 bill. There's no one around. And this thing blew right to my feet. And I got to walk into that guy and say, guess what? The Lord just, in the wind, flew me this $5. I need it for gas. Oh, goodness. Hopefully I can get through this. <laughs> okay, you were talking about moving this morning. Um, my middle daughter, she got married at the end of May, and we moved her on June the 3rd. Okay, so then on June the 10th, we moved my daughter Tabitha and my grandchildren into a four-bedroom house. Then on June the 17th, um, me and my husband had been living in a house for 25 years. And I had been trying to get them to cut this huge, I mean really huge tree out of our yard. But the people would not cut it unless we had $6,000 because it had a electric line running through it. So nobody wanted to touch it. Well, on June the 17th, the Lord 
I'm assuming it was the Lord. He, um, we had that bad storm that come through Victoria. I live in Victoria. And um, this tree fell over on our house and demolished our house. And, you know, we usually me and my husband are there because it's on a Friday evening and we're usually both there. And we usually come home from work and get dressed and go to Walmart like we go to Walmart every Friday. But for some reason, he got home and he was like, let's go ahead and go to Walmart because there's a storm coming. So we, we got dressed and we went on to Walmart and we were gone when this happened. And we went to Walmart and then we went to get us something to eat and we were going to come back home and sit down and watch television. And while we were up there in Farmville um, getting us some pizzas, one of my friends had called me and she says, um, are you at home? And I was like, no, why? And she said, well, there's a house beside you. A tree fell, and but it didn't hit the house. It caught it on another tree. So I was like, thank God. I said, what about my house? She says, no, yours looks okay. And this was a matter of maybe 10, 15 minutes before we got home. So she went on home, and then when we got home, we pulled up in the driveway, and I was driving. My husband was on the other side, and he started screaming. And I looked over, and I was like, what? He's like, oh, my God, the tree is on our house. And I looked over, and this huge tree, I mean, this tree is so big, it takes three people to wrap their arms around this tree. Had fell over on top of our house. And our animals were in the house. We have three chihuahuas, and we have kitty cats, and we have a pit bull, and they were in the house. So, of course, that was the first thing he was worried about. We went running up to the house. Both doors were jammed. We could not get in the doors. So he broke the window open to our bedroom and started climbing in the bedroom window and was running in there, getting our animals, putting them in cages, and bringing them outside. So we got them all out except for one. And then it was it was just devastating. I mean, when you've lived somewhere for 25 years and then you just come home and it's gone. But the next day we went back and we found our other, our other kitty cat. But, you know, everybody had been telling us that, you know, I, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and what are you going to do, and what are you going to do? But me and my husband are very faithful to our church. We go to church in Cambridge, and we pay our tithing, like you said, and we we do it. We help people out as much as we can. We, um, If we see an elderly couple somewhere and they're eating, we'll pay for their meals. But, um, you know, and when they were tearing our house down so that we could remodel, because it, demo- it just demolished the whole house, um, there was black mold in our house. And also inside of the structure, there was like dead wood and stuff like that. So, you know, me and my husband looked at it like this. God knew that there was stuff going on in that house because we stayed sick a lot. And since we've been with Tabitha, the only time that we've been sick is with the flu. I I mean, I stayed stuffy and, you know, and my kids, when they'd come over and stay or the grandkids, they would be stuffy. And it was coming from that house. And, you know, we take it as a blessing now. We say that God knew that this house was making us sick. And he knew that this house was going to need something done to it. We could tell the house was like shifting. And 
I just take it as a blessing that God tore that house down and we are rebuilding a brand new house. I mean, we are almost finished the house. I mean, I don't have a two story house now because I don't want stairways, but we are getting a brand new house. We were only four years from paying our house off, but you know, and we got to start all over, but the way, you know, we plan on paying it off in five years, even a brand new home because of God. And I'm just, like I said, I'm getting a new house and everything. But once we look back on that house and, and seeing the structure and everything when they were tearing it down and I was like, it was, you know, and we've always said it was a blessing. We never, I mean, yeah, it hurt and we cried when it was being torn down and when the thing was running over top of it and tearing it up. Yeah, that was a heartache, but we see it as a blessing that God's given us a new start. We've never had a brand new house. I've never lived in a brand new house. I've always had something that somebody else lived in. But, you know, we think of it as a blessing and we have always praised God in it and because of it, not not saying, oh me or woe me. It's always, thank you, God. So God does come through if you just be faithful to him. And I can say that. Yes, and I don't have to pay for that tree. You're exactly right. Well, I know my wife has something to say, too, because I asked her to be prepared, because silly me thought that maybe nobody here would say anything. (laughs) Well, I think everybody knows me, too. Um, Sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's just the desires of your heart. Um, when I was young, I was a black sheep of the family. And um, I just didn't fit in and get along with people very well. And the Lord saved me one day because I am a very um, headstrong, independent person. But the Lord saved me and changed my heart over the years. And I've grown so much in the Lord. And I'm, I don't know anybody I once didn't like that I don't like anymore. I don't want nobody to suffer an eternity in hell separated from the Lord. And and to do it all fast now, um, I have three grown children. My only son is in federal prison. He's been there too long. I have a child whose mind is locked up. She's in the street. I have a grandson and a daughter who suffer from having their minds locked up. But my heart's desire, you know, we give people stuff. Every chance I get, y'all, I do for somebody. That's not me. That's what God put in me. That's his gifting of my character and my personality. And when I was young, it was used against me. But I will give and do for anybody. Well, you know what I mean when we say anybody. Not really anybody, but you know. <laughs> As the Lord leads. Um, back in September of 21, I got sick with COVID. I got sick, y'all. I remember when I realized how sick I was. I began to mumble, I shall live, not die, 
and declare the works of the Lord. But I'm telling you, I felt death. It, it was, and there were a lot of people in this church and other people who prayed for me, who came and left food at my door and all sorts of things. And um, in 20, 2008, I believe, I went through a hard test at work. I almost lost my mind. Everybody knows, some of y'all know where I used to work. It's a great job, pay good money. But I went through a time on that job, I almost lost my mind because of the persecution of the enemy. I retired this year, a few months ago, two months ago, and I walked out giving God glory and victory in that place. They've made the mistake of what they've done today. They put a mic in my mouth, in my hand, and let me put it to my mouth. And I talked about the goodness of God. There were people in that job. The only person I did not witness to was the CEO. And that wasn't because I was afraid to witness to him. It was because he never engaged me. And for whatever reason, he didn't engage me. I'm not going to speak anything ill. But he never engaged me. Had he, I would have found a way to witness to him. But I witnessed when people would come in my office and close my door and I think I'm in trouble. And they're asking me for advice or what the words say or to pray with them. It's not always money. It's more when you give of yourself. There are times, I mean, just now I was at uh, Food Lion. I saw a young man that used to come here and he was being trained or something. And I almost tripped because I said, you can hug him. I didn't. I regret that. Now I'm confessing it, okay? It's little things like that that God reward and make ways for us. I am alive today. June 10th of this year, I blacked out on the road. It was a young lady that used to go to church here who came by, saw it was me. And recently, because I didn't know, I had to ask her what happened to me because I remember getting out of the car. I remember laying on the car and making it around to the edge and sitting on the ground. But I don't remember them putting me in the ambulance. I don't remember the ambulance coming. I remember, I thought I was dreaming when I saw Pastor David um, in the hospital. I thought I was dreaming when my, all of my family was there because Pastor David said, your family has encamped outside of this hospital. And, you know, I've, I've got three siblings, well, two brothers, surviving brothers, and three sisters, and they were there. And my sister Geneva, who's here today, I was with her last night. We hanging tight. And I got another saved sister. Those are awesome gifts from God, y'all. It's what we give to people. The money makes it a little sweeter sometimes, but <laughs> there's, there's something money can't do. It's the presence of people and the love of God and somebody just saying the right word. Like we had a confirmation from somebody's witnessing this morning for somebody in the building. 
just a word from God that changes everything. It changes everything. So back in June when I had that incident and I went through that and um, Geneva and, and my baby sister, I have two sisters, Geneva and my youngest sister, they walked through that illness with me, even afterward, the surgery, everything. But the most important thing I got out of that, y'all, I am alive. I am alive. I don't know how I know. Maybe I missed it with COVID in September 21. But I got it this time, June 10th. I'm alive, y'all. I am alive. I don't have to be alive. God has kept me. And nobody know where I come from. Geneva and I grew up in the same house. But you don't know what I came from and what I have come through. It is all we're seeing. Some of us are seeing money. That's okay. Some of us are seeing houses. It's okay. But the root of everything is God in Christ Jesus. He is a hope of glory in everything we say and do. He motivates you. Your very thought pattern, all of that is him. It's him. And he may sprinkle some money here, there, a house there. And for those who don't know, I got my first RV. My first RV since I've retired. I got it. But God's been speaking that thing in my spirit for over five years. Over five years. If y'all want a money testimony, it's paid for too. Okay? It's paid for. It's fully insured. I got everything I'm supposed to do. And uh, for Christmas, we're going to go on a road trip, the kids and I. Uh, had to take it to the shop, and they still got it. It's all right. It's still paid for. Everything paid for to the glory of God. Stick with God no matter what you're going through. Houses, you can get another house, right, babe? Always get another house. But you can't get another husband. And he couldn't get another you wife, right? There's something, y'all just submit everything to the Lord. If you only know, I ain't telling everything, what, where I came from and what I've come through. And the devil didn't do nothing to me. I made bad decisions and choices. Okay? We all do. But God's love is so faithful. Oh, my God, y'all. Why would he save me? Why would he save me? And then I hear souls talk about, you know, when you said this, girl, I've been praying about that. And you get... Because we are all valuable, valuable instruments unto the Lord. Because God is in the business of redeeming souls. And you are sticking his hand to use to lead somebody in relationship with him. That they may not spend eternity in hell. <laughs> hell is real. <laughs> Thank you. Let me... Uh... Let me let Angie tell her story so she can maybe inspire y'all to get up and talk. 
Nobody's out here. But... Now I don't have to talk. <laughs> well, I wrote it down for everybody so that this way I can be short. All right. My first marriage was tough. I became a believer in the marriage, and he chose not to be a believer, and that was a real problem. We had two little girls, and my husband decided to quit his job without my knowing, and shortly after, I was, uh, I was laid off. He had spent the money that was in the savings account, and uh, we had nothing. So we had no rent, we had no electric, and we had peanut butter and jelly. I was standing there just washing my dishes in cold water, and uh, he said to me, where's your God now? And I was trying to be the most godly wife I could because I was trying to hold it back because I was ready to tell him off. And I said, he's going he's gonna to come through. He's going to come through. He said, mm-hmm. Within minutes, the hall light flickered. And it was dark outside. I started turning all the lights on. And then I put the heat on. Then I put the electric on. You know, like everything, everything just came on. It was it was incredible. And we both ran outside to see who turned on the electric, because I hadn't paid the bill. And there was a man there from Salt River Project, which is um, an electric company, that our electric company. And I, I said, sir, who, who paid for this? And he said, I don't know, miss. I was just told to turn on the electric. <laughs> so I came back in the house, and... You know, like every good Italian woman, she's cooking pasta. I was singing. I was thanking God. And my husband just sat there frozen with the cigarette in his hand, white as can be, because he couldn't believe what happened. So that's my story. Thank you. Titus, can you just put up the Deuteronomy scripture? We've got one last scripture I just want to share with y'all. Um, I didn't quite finish my ambulance service story either um, because in 20, 2014, um, my wife passed away, Marilyn passed away in 2011. And in 2014, um, God kind of spoke to me and realized it was time to get out of it. It uh, was not a business model or business situation I was in that was like easy to sell or, or you know, how to get out of it. And so I was praying about it a lot. And one of my prayers was, is, well, Lord, I don't want to go bankrupt. You know, I don't want to, you know, hang my employees, not getting their checks or something like that. You know, I want to be able to close it out properly to do that. And nothing would work out. And I never could figure out how to do it. And I, rem I remember I had a key date. It was April 28th, 2014. It's when all my insurance premiums were due. There's a lot of money involved that I was going to have to pay. And I didn't want to pay it. And it was like getting into March. And I still, you know, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember I was coming from Lynchburg, driving up 460, and just as I came by the Wendy's up in, in Appomattox, it was like God spoke to me, and he said, why, why are you resisting? <clears throat> and I thought about being a history buff. I thought about the story of one of the uh, conquerors that uh, came into Mexico. I think it was Cortez. I may have the wrong one. But anyway, when he landed in Mexico, he burned all his ships. 
and he, he burned his ships. His men couldn't go home. You know, they were committed to stay there. So I went back to my office. I called my insurance broker up and said, I'm not renewing my insurance, you know, done. And the lady told me, she says, well, you realize it takes time to get this done. You can't call back next week and change your mind. And I said, I know that. I'm done. You know, and this was like the first part of August, April. And April 28th was the deadline, and I was going to be out of business. I made one phone call after that. People told me to meet them at Wendy's in Appomattox. Sat down with them for about 30 minutes, made a deal, business was sold, and I was done. But it was only after I stepped out in faith to do it. So anyway, um, but there's one last scripture I want to make sure that we hit from Deuteronomy. It says, um, Deuteronomy 14:23, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. The tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil of the firstborn of your herds and of your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So that's, that to me is the, it's important to tithe and to give to God and to do things because he's going to bless us. He tells us to challenge him. But the main reason for it is, is because that's what pulls us close to God. Okay. <clears throat> Try not to cry, but uh, and that's why he asked us to tithe, you know, the firstborn and the first fruits and the first ever, because he doesn't want us to like get our paycheck and go pay all of our bills and maybe go to the movies and go out to dinner. And it's like, oh, I got 25 bucks left over. I'll give it to the church. He wants us to give a tithe to the church and then go pay our bills to do that, because that shows faith in him to do that. So anyway, um, I just want to give you all an opportunity this morning. Um, Angel's going to come up and play a song um, and give you all a chance to reflect on it. Um, the scripture from Malachi, and I want to read this translation here. Just let me read it to you again. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food <clears throat> in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour it a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I think I'm kind of like the, um, the overflow. God has blessed me so much over the years. Sometimes I, I, he blessed me so much I have trouble paying my tithes because I don't know how much to pay. Don't have a lot of money, but old time, one time, 30 years ago, we went to church. We had this contest. We were building, building onto the building. We had a contest. Uh, for instance, we had a, the church would put up a bicycle, and somebody would bid on it. All right, so I go and bid on it. I bid. $103 because I figured, you know, that was kind of an odd number. I bid only $103 and uh, I got the bicycle. And on Monday morning, or whenever I went to the mailbox, I got a check. How much was that check? $103. A check that it, from J.P. Stevens or something back that I didn't know was coming. But, um, and God will only bless you financially. He will bless you through your children, your grandchildren. 
had a grandson was diagnosed at 14 years old aplastic anemia long story short they were doctors told him he wasn't going to live I called a lady down in Florida she was a foreigner she prayed with me she says he will live and he will not die Today and he's doing fine. In February he'll be having his first child. You can't tell me God can't do it. He can do it.